Dude, today United is running a 77W on Orlando Newark and it's full. I believe that. What? It's probably f- for Newark Orlando to be full, but it's spring break week. It's fall or uh teacher week whatever. And it president Oh, is that is that what it is? Kicks off the New York uh the vacation colony. week. Yeah. yeah. They get to New York does two spring breaks. They do a February one on President's Day and uh April or late March one on Easter slash Passover. Uh, I didn't realize But this and New Jersey does it too. Uh, This week is like peak, peak Disney hell for people wanting to get out of New York and New Jersey and go to the parks. And I do not recommend being there at this time, but it's also like they could, you know, there's the running joke. If you could always fill seats from, you know, the Northeast of Florida, they can film it like full fair at this point on this. It's absurd. It's it's insane. I was like a seven seven W. Yeah, but I, mean, I guess it makes sense. Um, I'm su- I'm almost surprised they uh, they can't. I was gonna say they don't put the HD ones on there, but they can't because they're still grounded. Oh yeah, that's true. Otherwise, but, I would are, bet. I bet there would have been multiple of those if they had them in service. Aren't they saying that they're going to be coming back? Because in- so they said that, and actually, I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to Neilman about that this week because um, we were talking about various certification challenges of different airplane types um, of what's going to happen with it. And he we were talking about those specifically and like i thought they had a sort of pre-agreement of what would be required Mm -hmm. but it wasn't actually like finalized yet but like to the point that boeing and the fa had sort of and pratt had come to some sort of understanding and like united was starting to make some of the changes based on that yeah that's what i thought but apparently it hasn't actually been finalized yet i you know put on my foil hat here uh i wonder if Dickinson leaving early has to do with all this certification stuff that's going uh, on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So. You're listening to dots, lines and destinations, a travel podcast with host Steven Seagraves, Fosma moon and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to episode 374 of dots, lines and destinations. I am Steven Seagraves joined this show with Seth Miller by Seth Miller. Mr. I can Miller. do both. Yeah, with, by, I don't know. Of, of, as. It's, it's early here, so I'm just on my first cup of coffee. All right, and I'm getting ready for nap time, so siesta. <laughs> you, you've gone out, you've gotten dinner ready, like you've gotten. Did, the, did my shopping, did my gym, did, you know, the little bits of errands little, I had to it, run. Your brain needs a little refresh. And instead of doing that, we're going to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that the, the first thing we should talk about is the Alaska subscription service i'm gonna call it that they call it like the netflix of flying or something i thought that was terrible uh but this whole thing is really uh, southern california or it's mostly california it's all california anything within california plus flights to i think las vegas reno and phoenix maybe Mm -hmm. from california departures yes uh and you commit to a one-year monthly fee, I think, and they're like, oh, starting as little as maybe it's $99 a month. Yeah. Um, and But the $99 a month gets you essentially six round-trip tickets, one every two months, uh, with a 14-day advance purchase, I believe. Okay. And then if you pay extra, you can get a version that's for walk-up fares. Okay. And if you pay extra, you get versions that offer you know one ticket a month instead of half or two, yep. I believe. So... It's interesting, I guess, right? Like prepay, fixed rate. Uh, it's not quite last seat availability. 
So that's one quirk about it, even 14 day advance. Like if there are, you know, it's based on some inventory or price threshold. I think when it came out last week, I was looking around um, and I looked San Diego to any of the nonstop markets served and found like 17 days for the next day. Right. So basically walk up there. I found 17 departures or 16 departures, something like that. All but one was available. And the one that wasn't was like $600 one way for some reason. Yeah, and and they have they have first class versions of this too, right? Or do they do they ignore that? I think they ignored that. I didn't. Okay. If they do, I didn't see it mentioned. Um, uh, 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 my first take on when I saw this was that they're struggling in California. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's like the first thing that came to my mind. Um, they've always had a big operation at San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, LAX has always been decent, but they've been trying to run these routes that are intra California in a in a in, in a market where people know Southwest is cheap, they can get decent or Delta. Think fare. Southwest is cheap. Right? They think mm-hmm. Southwest is cheap. Um, there's now other competitors in the market. Avello out of Burbank. Yeah. Um, United runs a ton of stuff. Not yeah. you know, LA LAX in San Francisco. It still runs a bunch of the routes. It's intra California north and even just more broadly north south on the West Coast yeah. is brutal. I think it's actually a harder market than East Coast north south. I, I would agree with that probably. I mean, you, you've got multiple airlines competing for the exact same traffic and a f- relatively fixed population. Like those populations are pretty fixed to their airports. The people from, uh, you know, Orange County aren't going to drive to LAX for a domestic flight for two hours. Yeah. Like, or more to the point, they're certainly not going to drive to Burbank. Yeah. They're not going to drive to Burbank. Yeah. Exactly. Or Ontario. Right. Um, and I people, didn't how far Ontario was from everything <laughs> when I went to a couple weeks ago. It is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and then there was San Bernardino that was even further over. But I was yeah. like, what the hell? Anyway, sorry. Didn't no, that's true. Like, so <laughs> you think about the distances for people. Um, I mean, it's like it's like saying for people from you know Seattle area, it's like saying, well, I'm going to drive from Wenatchee to Seattle to catch a flight. I mean, it's a two hour drive almost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not worth it. You'll just take the flight from Wenatchee or yeah. from Bend and you know, so assuming the flight exists and in California, they do. yeah, exactly. So I'm just, I'm trying to think of like, to me, this seems like they know Alaska knows within 14 days, they can pretty much sell the flights. But outside of that time, they're like, we have a lot of empty seats going out and we don't know what to do about it. So, yeah, and right. I mean, part of that is what is, you know, the recovery in the market, new market dynamics with, like I mentioned, a Velo and new entrant, but also just the markets are different now. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have, would have thought that, Alaska would have benefited slightly of the new world order in that it's do it. It was doing far less international feed versus yeah. a United or a Delta on the West coast yep. or an American. Um, part of it may have to do with the American West coast Alliance that was supposed to help like, right. The Northeast Alliance with JetBlue and the West coast yep. one with American uh, in Alaska it was supposed to do a lot of feed, but that was predicated on the international and the long haul stuff. And Right now, none of that exists on the West Coast because yep. there's still basically no flights to Asia and American continues to scale that back or push out the scaled back version. And it's making it harder for, I think, that partnership to prosper. Yeah. Um, also, I think unlike the JetBlue version of it, Alaska's operating position was probably a little more expensive than JetBlue's and didn't have the smaller planes necessarily. I mean, they've got the SkyWest and the Q4s, but it's yeah. harder to figure out what that perfect sort of spot is in the market and getting Alaska to replace American as a sort of regional operation 
isn't as easy out west as it is with JetBlue in the East Coast in the Northeast. Yeah, and and uh, so uh, you bring up a good point. So I'm thinking about a lo- Americans' operation on the West Coast, right? They they do run a lot of stuff up and down the West Coast from LA, mm-hmm. which which is surprises me. Like I, of all the things that they could abandon with this partnership, they they seem to just hold on with a dying grasp to i'll say they didn't give up as much on the north south on the west coast as they did on the east coast with JetBlue, and so why i have no idea Um, i know that there was right the alaska partnership announcement came out before the JetBlue one and i think it was less well received in some ways Mm -hmm. um because of the types of traffic that theoretically would be given up. And so maybe that's part of it is there, there's too much pushback and they're not trying to not give that up versus JetBlue is doing it on smaller planes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can, so they can sort of justify it's like, it's, it's like in a regional, but a slightly bigger regional, which you'd think would still piss off the pilot union. Yeah. Um, I know, ironically, I know the, the other direction, the JetBlue pilots are pissed about the uh, deal because they had a clause that no JetBlue flights could be operated on a regional scale, like a regional pay <laughs> scale, regional operators. And, mm-hmm. Now JetBlue flight numbers exist on a whole bunch of American Eagle uh, regional scale operations. Like I looked it up one day. It was like a few dozen routes. It was a lot of flights. And so the JetBlue pilots are pissed and that contract's up for negotiation now. So, oops. (laughs) May not go as well as uh, American hopes. (laughs) Uh, Or the JetBlue hoped. Or the the JetBlue hopes, yeah. But there's a lot going on uh, in terms of that. But I, I agree with your initial assessment of gosh this sound it looks desperate um yeah. it's a, i understand trying to pitch it as like right you but you want a steady recurring income yeah but like especially when you can control the product and you know so here's the other thing i looked at is i couldn't find, other than that one six hundred dollar fare which i couldn't use it you couldn't use the package on anyway i couldn't find fares that where it was, where it was cheaper to have the subscription well that's that's problem number one is it's kind of one of these things where if you actually do the math you're probably better off just booking the flight <laughs> yeah and time value of money and you can you could talk about all those things i just like every now and then i'd like to have thought that maybe i would have found one that was like oh, okay well if i had had the subscription i needed to fly tomorrow i would have saved 50 bucks yeah, yeah. right like n- not i don't have to save hundreds but like or it was at least close i couldn't even find like most ones i found it would have cost significantly and admittedly february right it's gonna should be more expensive in march or it's not march in uh may through august yeah. or september but i don't know do you think? Do you think? I mean, we can we can cut this one short, but I, I was wondering: Do you think that they would have seen a little more uptick in excitement if they had just done the whole West Coast? Yes, but they don't need to capture Seattle market or Portland market because they're already so dominant there. This is a play yeah. to increase share in a set of markets where you know no one dominates LA, yeah, at all. Southwest. If you took the, if you take the whole basin, Southwest, I think, has the most market share um, with all the airports. But like LAX, I want to say the biggest share of anyone is like 18 or 20 percent. Right. It's yeah. maybe 25. It's it's very evenly distributed. And so uh, it's really hard to find a way to sort of capture that level of uh, market. And this is a way to try to long long term buy. Uh, buy it, buy that or grab that share, right? You, you, someone's already pays for it they're, and they're pay, committed for the year. They're going to use you for those flights. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think, I, I don't think you're grabbing any more market share. Maybe for those flights, you're grabbing the market share. Like you said, it's limited to a certain number of flights a month. So yeah, if, I mean, yeah, you, yes. You know what I mean? Right. If you only, if you only get a couple thousand people, like how does yeah. it work? How does yeah. it, how do you get that level of anything? Anyway? Yeah. This seems, this seems like a low level McKinsey consultant way of solving the problem, but 
Anyway. <laughs> I, that is a not – I would say that's not a wrong. Analysis. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, Because I, I, yeah. if you look at the Bay Area, right, Alaska is not going to win San Francisco away from United. It's just not going to happen. United, right. just they just own it. You're not going to win Oakland away from Southwest. They own it. Your your best bet is San Jose, um, and you have decent flights into there, but you've got to keep your San Francisco feed. If again, you don't offer a compelling product, Transcon. So really, your market is west of the Rockies to me for for San Francisco. If you want to compete, and you should be telling AA, hey, feed us your people who want to go up and down the West Coast into San Francisco or as connections. But they, but they don't, right? They still don't competitively price their American Airlines uh, code shares. Yeah, they, they, that, that. I don't know if you've looked, but if you try to book an AA code share on Alaska, it sells you full fare. Why? Um, <laughs> no matter what. Yeah, they've sort of fixed that on JetBlue, but it's, wanna... it's ridiculous. Yeah. So no one's going to use that partnership when it's you know seven hundred dollars yeah. more to fly American. Yeah, I'm just. I just finally got the stats up. LAX. American had the highest number of in-plane passengers at 23%. Delta was 19%. United was 13 Southwest was 11 Skywest is 11 So I'd assume that's split between United and Delta. And, and Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. Uh, Alaska's not even listed. Other is 22. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you go you go to LAX and you see the, the terminal of the Misfits. With, right. With T5. You know, yeah, with Spirit and everybody else, which I had a flight, by the way, just completely aside here. I had an Alaska flight that originally said T6 on it. Um, and then after clearing security and going to the gate, you know, doing my normal routine, mm-hmm. getting a cup of coffee, yada, yada. Uh, I look at the digital boarding pass that's been updated to say we're now leaving out of gate 55. So me and like seven other people were like hauling ass to get over through to the five through the tunnel, which it's a ni- it's a nice thing to have. The tunnel's great, but put a people mover in it. <laughs> it's too small, man. It's, it's it, it is tiny. It's, like, it's not a tunnel. It's a hallway. <laughs> yeah, it just happens to be underground. <laughs> so um, anyway. yeah, no, I, I agree. They're there is even with the buy with buying out Virgin in America, mm-hmm. right? This is I don't want to say failed merger synergies necessarily. They got some value out of it, but like that ended up not developing as much as they wanted. Sort of like Southwest Atlanta. When they bought AirTran, they had access to all those slots at ATL and they're still a very, very distant second place player and actually shrank from like they shrank back. They're like, eh, never mind. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We'll keep we'll keep our token operation here, but like they're not trying. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about long haul routes now. Um and and we got a you know just a little competition between these which one is the bigger long haul route news delta is going to fly uh atlanta to cape town nonstop, um and then there's ba announcing a daytime flight from newark and then on top of that delta announced jfk and detroit to honolulu and atlanta to maui I, a lot going on there yeah the daytime flight's interesting to me let's talk about that first. i love daytime flights to london yes i wish there was more daytime flights to europe so Daytime, BA, Newark leaves. I think it said it leaves at like 8 a.m. Something like that, yeah. Uh, it gets in at 8 p.m. or something. Great. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Um, it's it's a nice option for people from New Jersey because the only other option is United out of out of Newark. Uh, and I don't even know that they're running the daytime flight right now. I believe they are. Oh, they it's certainly on the schedule when this one is going to be. Okay. So that's two daytime flights. Great. Uh, United has some connections, but BA has more. 
that's the, be- the beauty well, of this. Right. BA has, certainly has the connections at the other end. Now, there are very, very few markets where the daytime flights to London mm-hmm. can still go onward mm. out of London. There, It's almost all for people going to London or people going to overnight. Yep. Um, I want to say maybe there's like the last Paris flight. Gotcha. Um, just because by the time you have your sort of minimum connect time and then fly the extra hour or whatever onward, plus the time zone hour change. It's midnight or 2 a.m. Yeah, it, it gets real late by the time you get to wherever you're going into continental Europe. Um, it's still it's it still a great option. But uh, I, 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 I'm, true, I'm not joking. I like if I can get a daytime flight to Europe, I am always much happier. And it seems like to me it's one of these flights where, OK, you, you work on the flight, do whatever you want to do on the flight, get there land and go to sleep and yes you have like a normal day the next day uh yeah, the, the, the hard part is for me has always been getting a full night's sleep as opposed to just a nap mm-hmm. right because it's like okay it's like four or five o'clock in the afternoon in my head and i gotta lay down and sleep for six hours yeah um a couple glasses of vodka usually helps or a couple <laughs> pints of beer um quick quick pub visit that evening before going to the hotel um yes. but there's there's wait what i'm saying there's there's techniques uh that can be used to optimize your uh, sleep experience. <laughs> uh, and then, and then Delta's route to the big one, I think is Cape town. Like that's the big news. So last this- year, Delta wanted to fly a triangle. They announced mm-hmm. they, they applied to do it as Atlanta, Joburg, Cape town, Atlanta. Yep. And one of the main reasons for that is Delta had retired its triple seven LR fleet and didn't really have planes that could do a full load Johannesburg to Atlanta because Johannesburg is what's considered hot and high yep. uh, as an airport. It, it sits at like 4,500 feet elevation, I think. And it's certain parts, of, certainly for tight, uh, some parts of the year, it is a very warm climate and that's lower air density. So it's harder for the plane to get off the ground. Basically you have a weight penalty and yep. or a payload penalty. So you, you can't get off the ground fully loaded. Um, and still make the full trip. So, and it has happened before that they've had some diversions uh, or tech stops but the, the gist of it is with the 350, which is now what they're flying it with, that wasn't an option. Now, Delta says then there was supposed to be a higher gross weight or increased gross weight 350 convert uh, configuration that would support more fuel, mm-hmm. essentially, um, which would, you know, bigger tanks, higher total takeoff weight would let them get further and solve a lot of those problems, even during hot and high conditions. Yep. So maybe that's finally there. There was some question about whether those planes had started to be being delivered yet and how many Delta actually has in uh, in fleet and available. Are these the same as the Singapore ultra long range? Or are they? No, I don't okay. think they're those. Okay. Um, but it, cause I don't think so. Those are like, they've actually like had additional tail tanks. They, they, yeah. they, those had like, I think those, they modified the tanks to put more, t- they modified the configuration to put more tanks in. I think the higher gross weight is existing tanks can be a little more full. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Or something exactly. like that. Yep. Yep. Um, but no, it's, and so Delta was supposed to be getting them and Delta has new deliveries on the way and, 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 and. So those should be happening, but Cape Town, because it's at sea level, didn't have the hot and high problem. Gotcha. So the 350 could make it from there. And so that's part of why Delta wanted to do that. Now, last June, the South African government told Delta to piss off and so they couldn't do that. And so, and also like COVID kept happening. So um, those routes didn't pick back up, but Right, the Delta announcement came a week after United announced three times a weekly from Newark year round. So clearly, both airlines see significant demand into Cape Town and are trying to feed those connections as best they can from the U.S. side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's interesting. Honestly, Atlanta to Maui is a surprising line to me. Yeah, uh, everything to Florida, everything to Hawaii surprises me. There's 
there's a lot of demand. I, I'm, I'm more surprised from East Coast of Hawaii than I am West Coast of Hawaii. West Coast of Hawaii, I feel like, is the Northeast of Florida. You it's our, it's our, it's our Caribbean. Yeah, right. Yeah, or the Caribbean. Right. You can fill those up reasonably well. There's some economies of scale, and you know, well, yada, it's yada, yada. it's like it's like the Orlando. I mean, I guess I get it. The Orlando to Honolulu flight. I'm just like, what? Why? But I, Disney is why. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> That many people in Hawaii that want to go to Disney? I guess I don't know. It's a couple, that, like five hundred a week. That's six hundred a week. That's a lot of people. I mean, they, they realize. I mean, if it's for Florida, for Floridians, they realize the beach is only like two hours away, right? Like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> from Orlando, you can be at almost any like comparable quality beach you want in about an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> by the time you park and get through security, you could be sitting with sand in your toes. That's what I'm saying. And and, and nice beaches, yeah. It's, yeah they, well, so. some of them are nice. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. That's I'm thinking. Not. I'm thinking West Coast, like West Coast of Florida. So, oh, see, I don't like those. So, no, I, I, I feel think like the, the Gulf feels calmer. like a lake. Oh, okay. I like I like the calmer water. Yeah. Okay. I feel like so. I've been to Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, and I've been to Miami, and I feel like I'm just getting beat up by the surf mm-hmm. constantly. And okay. if I wanted that, I'd just go get a massage. Yeah, but you know, this way you can do it in the water. <laughs> so anyway, you, you get sand in your shorts as an added bonus, Stephen. Yes, this way. is true. This is true. Um, but so you think Atlanta and Maui is more interesting? What about well, JFK, Detroit, Honolulu? Are those compelling like, to you? So JFK, Honolulu competes with Hawaiian now, so that'll yep. be interesting. Um, I'm not sure if Hawaiian has brought JFK back. I think they did. Uh, Detroit, I feel like, has come and gone over the years. Mm-hmm. I have to think so. Um, I could probably look that up. One of those, one of those Northwest type routes. Yeah, yeah, and I think Delta even kept running it for a while, also. So, like, it's not, you know, in some ways, I guess I would say I'm surprised it hadn't come back sooner because of how much demand there has been in Hawaii of late. Mm-hmm. But I also would say, you know, Europe may be reopening more and more, and some parts of Asia are opening for U.S. visitors, but not enough yet. And these airlines got wide bodies; they got to put them somewhere, and. You know, yep. spring break to Florida only happens for a couple weeks a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, on that note, though, Maui gets a ton of traffic. Like it's it a ton of West Coast traffic. It's yeah. almost nothing east of Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's Newark has a. Does, it, does Newark have the flight still? Yes, and well, no, it's seasonal, so I don't think it's operating right now, which is okay. baffling. Um, but I think there's Denver and Chicago was operating there for a while. Okay, uh, but that's really it. Right. right. I mean, and by DFW. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, right. But so there have been, a, but like those are one a days. And so Delta adding another wide body, 250, 300 seats a day, isn't that crazy, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, uh, in my mind. But uh, what, what are I? It's, it's, it's a wild use of airplanes, really. Like we're just seeing, it's just, we're seeing weird utilization. Of aircraft these days. Uh, if you've got an airplane, you may as well use it. Yeah, ex- well, this is true. If I had an airplane, I'd be using it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, that, wait, that's for our uh, bonus topics. We'll get to that later. Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. We'll talk. I was about transitioning, that. and I forgot which what was on our list. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it actually it brings up something that I was you know you're talking about using planes and stuff. So United has the Ponta Delgada uh, route that will yep. be coming in the summer, um, and some people are seeing that United's changing uh, some of the way they're they're categorizing the cabin. Um, so I was actually surprised because when I had asked, so I, the difference is that the it's a, it's on operating on a max eight, yep, with regular first class seats. And when I asked about that, the comment was, this, "It's a backpacker and VFR visiting fan, uh, friends and relatives destination. There's no premium demand. We're not selling this. It's not a Polaris. It doesn't need a Polaris product." But apparently, they had marketed it as Polaris anyways, which I didn't mm-hmm. realize at the time. So, I mean, the difference is you got lounge access. I'm not sure that's worth yeah. crying about. Um, 
before you're, you know, I guess the alternative is trying to eat at OTG restaurants in Newark. And so that's like a hundred dollar experience. But, <laughs> um, but uh, so do you save any premium then really on the, on the flights themselves since they're not selling it as Polaris or are they pricing it ridiculous? I haven't, I never looked at the prices of what the premium cabin was. I, either way, what you're paying for is the ability to get there nonstop from Newark. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. it, what you weren't buying lounge and you weren't buying flat, uh, flat bed. Yeah, or flatbreads in the lounge. I guess is what I was trying to say. I'm not sure. <laughs> but so, so this flight, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of people are complaining about it now because it doesn't get lounge access. It doesn't even get United Club access because of its status, um, which I, th- I think is interesting. Well, you, you well premium. You should still get lounge yes. access because it's international. I, th- I think it would, wouldn't it be marketed as United Business, like the flights to South America that aren't Polaris. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I hmm, maybe I misread how it was being done. So maybe you do get lounge access, but it's only United Club access. Yeah, um, crime, crime which still isn't great. Um, and again, it's not a huge deal, but it's it's kind of a downgrade for people traveling internationally. Oh, that's uh, weird. Sorry, I just looked up. I'm looking at Google Flights now. Price they're selling it as premium economy. That's I think that's what it was. That's what it is. That's why, and so that's why you don't get lounge access. Yeah, yeah. They're selling the first class seats as premium economy, which is which what they are in an international market. Yes, uh, but it, it means you don't get any lounge access. I mean, if it's actually priced that way, then okay, I think I'll take advantage of that. I'll go to Punta Delgada. We'll, we'll finally get our Azores trip. Yeah, eighteen hundred round trip mid June from uh, Newark and uh, premium it's economy. Awful. It's a four and a half hour flight, right? Five hours. Five forty five going, six ten coming home. Yeah, block time. It's a transcon. So, yeah. um, fully refundable economy is a thousand on those days. Wow. The upside is it's less plus points. So if you just wanted to buy the economy seat and up upgrade, it's yeah. fewer fewer plus points. Correct English. So anyway, yeah, and that's actually it's funny. It's six fifty in basic economy, eight hundred in economy, a thousand fifty in fully refundable economy, and then eighteen hundred in front of. Excuse me, upfront. Yeah, I also don't worry about United Club access because I'm a million miler, so I don't care about it. Yeah, <laughs> I get it anyways. Uh, I think it's just going to be a lot of confused people going. Yeah, you know, I'm like international. It. I'm up front. Why don't I get lounge access? Yeah, it's an over the Atlantic type flight. It's a long yeah. flight, but um, so let's talk about your experience recently. Um, Breeze added, uh, is it Hartford? Islip. Well, so they added Hartford. They announced that they were going to have Hartford be a base. Mm. Um, but Hartford was a day one destination. So it's been on the route network since the beginning. It is now going to be a base of operations. So they'll, that's going to be the fifth crew base where they'll put pilots and mechanics and flight attendants and everything else up there. Um, that what's, that's going to happen later this summer. The interesting thing about that is, and I asked a few times when I was hanging out with Breeze this week, uh, not officially confirmed, but all the flights on the schedule are a two twenties. Now it would seem that it looks an awful lot like an a two twenty only base. Oh, interesting. Rather than the Embraers. So uh, bringing the A220s into Hartford uh, is going to be very nice for those folks. Um, yeah. Th- you know, for a few, and a few th- considerations, the, the A220s are going to fly a lot of the regular uh, existing routes anyways to start just for familiarity and training and whatnot. But as they expand, Transcon's out of Hartford. It's one of those markets that like off and on has tried to support them. And right, American had had LAX off and on. United has had San Francisco and LAX off and on. JetBlue currently has Las Vegas, actually, and it does pretty well, it would seem. Um, so there's some potential there for longer flights. Denver has done pretty well out of Hartford. So there's it's a relatively large catchment, 
Um, yeah. And so it'll be interesting. And, and JetBlue, or not JetBlue, excuse me, Breeze is trying to get a slightly more premium demand for on its A220s. Right, they got 36 front uh, premium seats up front. Yeah, two two instead of two three. And so, when do those flights start? The the two twenty flights out of two twenty flights start for uh, Breeze as of the beginning of May. Okay, uh, Tampa is going to be the first route, just or because that seems to be there where everything starts for them. <laughs> um, but by I want to say by June, uh, Hartford will be all two twenty as it currently is on the schedule. Okay, so that transition happens pretty quickly, and it's again, it's just the flights to Richmond and Pittsburgh and wherever else already exists. But expect to see more two twenty action, and they've announced that they're going to add eight more routes destinations out of Hartford as part of that transition to being a hub or a gotcha. base, whatever you want to call it. Focus so, city. And so you were in Islip? But I was in Islip. So in, <laughs> I was in Islip when I got that news. And because this weekend they also added Islip and Palm Beach as two routes uh, or two net, uh, two cities on the route map. Okay. So they're up to, I think, 18, 18 cities now. Um, but I went along. Uh, they were kind enough to invite me and buy me a plane ticket. So who was I to say no? Uh, went along for the inaugurals from Islip to Charleston and then Charleston on to Palm Beach the next day. Okay. Um, and, you know, I was on the first flight also back at, out of last May out of Tampa. And I got to say the difference, I haven't flown them since because they don't really come anywhere near me. Uh, the difference in onboard product, substantial. Really? They replaced the seats on the E90s. Hmm. Um, the, the ones they had before were the original ones that like when they took over the old leases from Az- the Azul and someone else. Um Maybe Air Canada. They were they were the original seats from those. Okay, Air Canada or Americans old planes. They were beat to shit. Um, they were they they looked ten years or twelve years old and hadn't been refreshed. And they just pushed them right into service because they needed to get the plane the you know the airline running. And now it's much more. Uh, they've replaced them with fresh new seats that are like new covers and hmm. actually have support to them <laughs> and feel nice on board. So I actually I'm not sure if they're new new or new used with fresh covers. Yeah, but either way, because there was some marks that looked like they weren't brand new, and it, like it didn't even look like six months worth of wear. But they finally got that sorted. They got their buy on board sorted. Oh. I'm not a huge fan of four dollars and fifty cents for a jumbo bag of M and M's or Pringles, um, mm-hmm. but they had the large bag of like the four ounce bag of Chex Snacks mix was one of the things for four fifty. Yep, um, which is sort of like airport pricing, which you know, was damning with faint praise, I guess. Um, <laughs> And three fifty for a soda. Three fifty for a soda seems egregious to me. Uh, excessive, yes. Yeah, and then there's an eight fifty snack box. So again, like in on par with what the rest of the world is doing. If you buy a nicer fare, which is they, their fare bundles are nice, nicer, and nicest. Yeah. Um, nice is basic economy. You know, regular nicer comes with a seat assignment, and the, you get a free snack and a free soda on board, but not the uh, eight fifty snack box. Gotcha. So, um, so whatever you get $8 worth of value for it. Um, consider that when you're buying um, and trying to decide if it's worth the upcharge. Um, so how will they sell this premium cabin that they have? Nicest is the premium. Gotcha. So it's, okay. you get the, and it's, again, it's not business class. They're not selling it that way. They're just selling it as like, you know, a bigger seat with more space. It's sort of like almost big front seat style. Yep. Um, it, with the caveat that they're going to, because nicer already includes the snack and drink nicest will as well. Gotcha. Um, and I think nicest ha- I have to go back and find uh, if I can pull it up what we're talking. I think it includes a bag and things like that also. So it included booze. I'd be like, okay. So interesting. They don't have alcohol on board right now. Oh, uh, it's because of all of the assaults. No, just because they didn't. 
No. They never had it. I mean, maybe it was they didn't weren't ready to or whatever. They, it's coming. I was told it will be in place by April. Okay. Um, but right now, there's still no alcohol on board. Oh, interesting. Um, and there was some discussion about how are they going to handle uh, drinks and such for um, nicest for nicest <laughs> and what that yeah. really means. Um, yeah. Uh, d- what? No. Um, <laughs> so I was going to say uh, Delta ran Detroit Honolulu as recently as January 2020. Oh wow! Okay, my report finally I finally got that data. So, um, and maybe that that was looks like it was sort of peak season only, and maybe not every day, but yeah, more common in the early two thousands when it was Northwest. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry to finish that, but uh, no, I gotta say, and and Breeze now they have their streaming entertainment thing. Also, um, mm-hmm. they said they were gonna put power on the seats, which I didn't see, which is okay. too bad. But you know, again, two hour flights, even with that, you know, you're pro- you probably should be okay, even if you're streaming, but. Uh, they, yeah, they, you know, load a web page. they've got TV shows and games. And it's funny, it's TV shows only because like 85% of their flights are shorter than two hours in the air. So they could show one movie. So or... you, show, you wouldn't even have time to finish a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting, uh, some interesting choices made there, but, um, I wonder if that'll change as they start transcons and stuff. So with the transcons, the two twenties will have full internet service on board also gotcha. eventually okay. and not when they launch though, which is like. Annoying and stupid, um, but they will eventually, and they'll add in. I think the content uh, that will be available on the streaming platform remains to be seen, but they expect there will be some content there. Okay. Do we know what the first uh, Transcon route is going to be for sure? Not for sure. I will say it was very amusing on the flight from Charleston to Palm Beach. You know, Neil Manwin's on board, and he grabbed the PA and was like, "Hey, folks, good to meet you. I'm the CEO." Um, thanks for being here. Buy more tickets and we can start more routes. Uh, we fly in, but the part that was important is he said, we fly 13 destinations from Charleston today, looking to get to 20 by the end of the year. Some of those may be a little further afield. Also, as we look further West, you know, first option, probably somewhere out there, maybe where you could have some gambling. So, interesting. uh, and I looked it up. There's like 80 passengers daily each way to and from, uh, Vegas right now, but there's no nonstop service. That seems like a market that's designed to be served to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I interpret that as Vegas. I might be wrong. Reno only has like three passengers daily each way. So that doesn't <laughs> seem right. I mean, I, you can, you, there's a lot of things people can do to uh, stimulate service, but I think that that might be a big ask at that level. Yeah. And if there's, if there's enough demand for 80 passengers each day on nonstop Charleston, Vegas well, then, connections right, right now. Well, yeah. So. On connections. I think a nonstop could be sustained there and probably wouldn't be every day. Right. They do a, yeah. although the two twenties will have to fly more than the E nineties to, you know, earn their keep right now. Very few routes are daily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they do announce that I will, I will go to Vegas and be on the inaugural uh, for Charleston. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this. Uh, so, I mean, overall your experience was great, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, I gotta say like, my first flight with it was it was fine, but like the product was decidedly blah. <laughs> they f- they fixed that. Like it's now actually feels like it's the breeze product, not some like a breeze ticket on a random you know charter operation that they found whatever used planes they could to just get shit into service. Yeah, it feels like it. It feels like what they probably meant it to be yep. from the beginning. They just finally have gotten their stuff configured and sort of working more smoothly. Yeah, and and while they're doing this. Uh, Avello is expanding at uh, New Haven. Yeah, so Avello made New Haven its East Coast base, and then announced also last week, uh, I guess, uh, four new destinations for the summer. None of which are in Florida. 
Hmm. Which is interesting. So it's Myrtle Beach, I think, Savannah, Nashville, and Charleston also. That's that right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm impressed. I you know, had a quick conversation with the guy in charge of route development for the Charleston airport at dinner while we were there. And his comment was, yeah, the guys actually running the airport operations have, you know, jokingly, he's like, yeah, they, they want me to take a couple months off because I'm keeping them too busy. <laughs> um, and I was like, you're not though, right? He's like, absolutely not. I'm gonna keep going. Uh, <laughs> but like, they're almost out of gate. They're out of gate space from a jet bridge perspective. Probably they're almost out of terminal space from where to put people. They got to rearrange some things. It's, it's a hop in operation. Uh, Charleston is already in terms of seats daily, well past 2019 numbers. And in, in Charleston, I mean, I've flown through Charleston a few times. It's an already busy airport because there is, there's a lot of demand and yeah. it's a lot of connections. So you're adding two right. operations, full operations there. Connections in Charleston. No, 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 not connections. I'm saying people connecting from Charleston to other places. Okay. Like, like I just, I, when I was through there, it was, you know, you had the Alaska nonstop to Seattle, but you also had tons of United service, a oh, decent yeah. amount of Delta service. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like with two new operations on Avello and Breeze, it's busy. Yeah, you know, it is. It absolutely is. And I'm trying to see if I can pull up here, uh, Origin, Charleston. Um, let's see if I can pull up the actual numbers because it was uh, the comparison. I want to say they were up like something like 20% in total seats in ASMs. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Here, let me just compare two quarters or two months Real quick, uh, February 2022 versus February 2019. Sorry, I should have had this readily available. Total is 10% more flights, 15% more seats, 25% more ASMs. Wow. Um, February over February, three years later. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and that's with Frontier, Frontier Scale back, Allegiant left, uh, Breeze replaced the two of them and then some. Um but United is t- the same number of flights, but 22% more seats. United went like mostly mainline instead of regionals. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, Southwest is flat. JetBlue is up 35% on flights and 42% in seats. Alaska is up 5% on flights and 11% on seats. Wow. Delta is up 13% on flights, but only 9% on seats. So some more regionals, but also still up 25% on ASM somehow. I haven't figured that. I got to figure out where they're flying to. Um that makes that happen. I guess they're probably flying more up to maybe JFK. Detroit. They've got Detroit. They've got uh, Boston. Now they've got uh, LaGuardia and JFK and Atlanta. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's, and like, you know, Atlanta's got a bunch of mainline flights. Yeah. 180 seats too. Like seven thirty sevens. I guess that is. Yeah. It's a lot of, I mean, that's a lot of people, right? Flying. It's, and it's a relatively small airport. Yeah. And they're doing that. 140 flights across 28 days. So true of three twenty of uh seven thirty-seven service plus other types. It's and sixty there's two hundred flights in the week and the month. So it's like wow. eight eight flights a day, nine flights a day. Wow. Uh, it's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Um seven. I can do a division. Uh anyway, so yeah, th- so Charleston is growing rapidly and Breeze is, you know, again, sort of inducing some of that, but also uh they're still the one, two, three, four, five, sixth largest carrier. Again, sort of right by ASMs. Americans at forty-three million. JetBlue is at forty-three million. Delta is at forty-two million. United is at forty-four million. Southwest is at forty million. 
Breeze comes in at 18 and a half. So they're half the size of any of those, but it's still a substantial operation and yeah. it's growing. It's going to grow way faster. Yeah. So it's wild. Hot market. Tell me about this A380 auction. You can buy pieces out of an A380. Oh, really? You have to bid on them. Uh, it's a, uh, a former Emirates aircraft. Okay. Uh, and they basically uh, have come up with uh, to benefit the Airbus Foundation or something like that. But it was a plane that was, I guess, returned to Airbus. Um, and they're auctioning off everything from you know the bars and stairs and uh, galley trolleys to the cockpit escape ropes. Huh, that's cool. Uh, and the Airbus Foundation is used for is Airbus's uh, philanthropic arm that they, they does a lot of, obviously, uh, different types of things like that. But they do a uh, – I'm pretty sure that's the organization that when Airbus does new aircraft deliveries, when they can, they'll take the first delivery flight and use it to deliver uh, – they historically used it as a, like uh, – they would take donated goods to parts of the world that needed them, <laughs> like – relief or whatever. I, Boeing has done it sometimes too. Um, obviously the airline has to cooperate and say, yeah, we can spare the plane for a few days. And the foundation basically pays for the fuel to cover the cost of the flight. And then uh, it happened, you know, if that makes sense, like they, yeah, yeah. the foundation donates the fuel and the, the airline basically donates the plane for a couple of days and it flies to somewhere and then eventually goes back to its actual base. Um, but yeah, MSN 13, one of the first uh, aircraft delivered. Um, and it will entered service in 2008, and the uh, the uh, auction happens in June, so it's a, a little ways out yet. But yeah, okay, so people can plan for it though, and yeah, if they if they want uh, some escape escape route or escape ropes from the cockpit, yeah, you know, be ready. It's a bizarre thing to include, but sure. yes, very. very. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, no one like clearly no one else needed it for like spare parts. <laughs> Eh, we don't need those. Eh, you know. Um, lastly, before we jump to some bonus topics, uh, which include some Cathay cuts and some 787 cuts, uh, I want to talk about United's new one-way premium on awards, or Transatlantic awards. I've is. only seen it Transatlantic. I don't know if it's happening elsewhere also. Yeah. Um, I'm mildly annoyed. I think you're probably more annoyed about it than I am. I, I see it as this like weird um, – again, this is one of those things where you know United – it's a it's a it's a liability on their books to have miles and customer accounts, so it's it's this move to basically charge more for a one way award, yeah, well, uh, and grab more of those miles out. Yeah, I'm not sure I see that for liability reasons so much as hey, if I can sell a ticket for ten percent more and people don't notice, shouldn't I do that? Yeah, but this is like this is the this is typical stuff though, right? Like, so what I what I noticed is I was I'm trying to plan a trip this summer for a couple conferences, and. Again, no award charts anymore, so like they can sort of list them at whatever they want. A Aer Lingus award, nonstop, one way, uh, Boston to Dublin was thirty eight thousand points instead of thirty thousand one way from. And that's the thing is, it's not always right. So I can do thirty thousand one way if I stay on United Metal with a connection. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking at the return flights and eventually found what uh, when searching one way was a thirty three thousand point Lufthansa redemption. Um, with a connection, fine. The connection doesn't seem to drive the pricing, but it was 33,000 points. And when I called in, uh, use Twitter and I've actually, that's another thing I don't like. You can't add a segment to an award anymore. And I know that's sort of been a problem for a while, Yeah, but I wanted to add the segment onto my exist my Dublin award 
because U.S. originating trips are freely refundable, but European originating trips don't have the same rules. Yep. So I want to put that on my same ticket, and I couldn't do it on the website. So I asked the Twitter team to do it. They actually did, and we're like, okay, we made the change, but you just got to call in now to pay. Um, and they told me someone would call me. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I called in, uh, and they were able to get it reissued. But it was only 30,000 points, not 33,000. And I noticed that a couple times is when I was doing searches, if I did a round-trip search, it was 30,000 one way. And if I did the one way search, it was 33. So 10%. Which it's, it's, it's not a lot, but it's also is. Yeah, exactly. It adds up, right? Like, I feel like this is the nickel and diming of the rewards world. Yeah. And, and it's for, you know, some of us book one ways because like for me, I can book a one way now on Alaska to Europe and come back on, on United or vice versa. And it's just easier for me. Yeah. So, uh, it's just it's an, it's a, it's annoying um you know, I, it it is all those things i'll say counterpoint to all that is like if you booked one ways on revenue tickets it would be way worse true true in many but, markets not all but yeah but it's but I, it's still annoying i'm not trying to justify it for them i'm just saying i have to remember like i can only be a little mad not i don't need to grab a pitchfork and a torch yet no no i think it's just <laughs> like this this kind of like quiet devaluation right yeah. like we we know they're going to devalue things but it's it's again because we took away award charts we can kind of just do it whenever because mm-hmm. pricing is dynamic and that's all we have to say. Yeah. Um, Even though what, like 90% of the awards were 33,000 points or 30,000 points, whatever. Exactly. Um, except when you buy it as one way, then we can just tweak you a little there. Yeah, exactly. I, that's what, that's what kind of gets under my skin is it's like, we took away this tool we had to make it easier for you to understand things. And we yeah. made it now harder for you to understand things. And we just charge whatever. Yeah. Not, uh, not only do we make it harder to understand, we also decide to raise the prices along with that. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I don't know, Seth, did you read my chat note real quick? Um, no, but we, I think we should talk about whatever it is. Okay. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> wait. so, uh, I think one of the things to our listeners is I just want to, I think we just want to be transparent is that we're, we're talking about, we're in discussions right now on, on kind of changing maybe the, the format of the show a little bit, um, and would like feedback from listeners on whether or not it's something that, they would like or not like or wouldn't listen anymore or whatever. Um, and that is we, we've talked about maybe going to a kind of a 15, 20 minute uh, hard stop type show uh, for two or three weeks out of the month. And then once or twice a month, we would do one of these longer form shows, either with a guest or just where we chit chat. Um, and we would, we would kind of move the weekly show to maybe subscription only. Uh, and then the longer form would still be the, the normal podcast. And I think part of the reason for doing this is it's, it's rather difficult to fill. I mean, we can use some days. Are. Yeah. Some, some days are very difficult for us to fill, uh, with topics. Uh, some weeks are very busy and other weeks there's nothing. Um, and so we're trying to figure out what that balance is for us and with our changing schedules and life stuff, what that looks like. So, um, we just like feedback. Uh, from listeners, Patreon subscribers, non-Patreon subscribers, just let us know what you think, either in Twitter or on the comments, just so we can make a good decision on what people want. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, we do have some guests kind of on our list to get through that we want to, to interview and we want to make those shows available to everybody. So uh, that's the thinking. Anything you want to add to that, Seth? No, then I don't know which of the many systems we used to communicate that you chatted that to me on because I still don't see it. Oh, uh, it's, it's in the actual uh Streaming oh, chat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, no, I think that, I think you, that's fine. I think you nailed it. Um, I think. Uh, oh, there it is. Private chat. Hey. Um, <laughs> yes, we should talk about that. I was right. Um, you know, like I said, we. I'll always keep talking, and that's not hard necessarily. But I think 
forcing me to, honestly, I think forcing me to talk last is actually is good for the show in a lot of ways. So yeah, and we narrow, wanna... narrowing down some tops and getting more deep into two or three things on a weekly basis. And then sort of broader trend stuff once a month or twice a month would be um, sort of how I think that'll evolve. And yeah. I think that's that's a good summary of it. It's like we can take three topics and really get into them, kind of like what we did with the first three topics of this yeah. episode. Um, and take <laughs> and then we just kept going. <laughs> and then we just kept going. 15 to 20 minutes, though, of that. And, yeah. and I'll try my best to keep Seth on the rails, um, which is it's, it's not always easy, but sometimes it's easy. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's possible. at least It's never easy. <laughs> so I think that's kind of the goal. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll we'll. Um, let you, we'll let everyone know we're not going to just like make this change overnight so le- leave us your feedback and uh let us know what you think about that and uh yeah until next time happy travels take care